even though I wasn't donating for current leukemia patients to help them directly, I was really happy to know that hopefully the, uh, the donation of white cells that I made that day was going to impact development of better treatments in the, for future leukemia patients. That's Bloodworks' own Bill Harper. I'm Helen Pitlick, and this is Bloodworks 101, the podcast brought to you by the folks at Bloodworks Northwest. It's designed to inspire you to give time, money, or blood. Bloodworks has data that shows us that a lot of potential donors don't give blood because they don't know whether or not they're eligible. Maybe they've traveled, maybe they take medication, or maybe they have some old information about tattoos and piercings. And it's true that many folks in the U.S. do not meet the FDA's strict eligibility requirements. Blood centers like Bloodworks need to follow these regulations to the letter. The story I'm going to tell you today is about the bleeding edge, if you will, of cancer and immunotherapy treatment and research. And it shows that nearly everyone, you heard that right, everyone, has the power to change lives in their veins, whether or not they're eligible to give blood for the community supply. Here's Bill again. I was diagnosed with leukemia in 2010 when I was 20. And over the course of leukemia treatment, multiple very significant infections leading to very significant surgeries, a long list of complications, ended up requiring and receiving 267 units of blood products from Bloodworks Northwest. Once kind of the dust has had cleared of my illness and I was, you know, just on the long-term path of recovery. And I kind of got to this point where I realized like I really needed to, in a sense, pay it back. Obviously, like one person can't donate that amount of, of units of blood in their lifetime. That's too much. But I just was so motivated to do something, anything, just to, you know, make sure that the blood was always there for patients like I had been those years before. That led me to, to, um, to, to get a job at Bloodworks Northwest and was so excited to donate blood for the first time. And then found out that because I was on a, an antibiotic long-term, I was not able to donate for patient use. I found out that there are many fewer restrictions donating for research than there are for donating for patient use. Evan DeLay is a nurse with more than 10 years of patient care experience before joining Bloodworks as the Donation Programs Manager for Bloodworks Bio, Bloodworks' biosciences arm. Before coming into this role, I was a bedside nurse in a hospital, and you are working with patients every day, and you see that there are sometimes life-saving treatments needed, and without the upfront research to get to that endpoint of having you know, an FDA-approved treatment, we can't save our patients. And so having been on the other side of it in sometimes life and death situations in a hospital and knowing that we have interventions, safe interventions to help people um, means a lot to me. And so it's really important for me to be on the other side of it. Evan, can you tell us a little more about research eligibility and how this is different from blood used for patient transfusion? So some of those projects Um, especially if they will ever be used in a product that could be used in a person, those have to meet the same requirements as our community blood donations do. For other research projects, when we're talking about projects where a researcher is using the blood sample in a lab-based setting, you know, working on a lab bench and doing their research that way, 
those products often do not need to meet the same eligibility requirements because they're never going to be transfused into a person. They're used in, um, in the earlier stages of research. The deferrals for, for research are really based on your safety, your health history, and your lab results. So even people who aren't eligible to donate for the community based on those FDA requirements, such as MSM deferrals, travel, um, living in other parts of the world during specific times, you may very well still be eligible to donate for research to make a difference. They explained that they, they just put me in the registry of, of um, donors that they have and explained that different researchers approach them and say, we need you know, these kinds of donors with this type of blood, with this history, or you know, which, whatever the um, parameters of what they're looking for. I said, we'll call you. And it was a while and they emailed me and said, if there's an opportunity to donate, here are some dates you can come in. And so I took the first that first one and went in and it was a couple of hours and you sit there and it was a apheresis donation for white cells. The white cell donation Bill described here is used to create a product called a leukopack. It's something in high demand from our research partners. So a leukopack refers to a blood product that's literally packed with white blood cells. Um, it's done through a process called apheresis, which basically refers to any type of blood product that is taken into parts, it's spun down in a machine, and everything that's not needed is given back to you, the donor. So it is very similar to other procedures that use apheresis. The process for this particular one is called leukophoresis. So that refers to the white blood cells that are collected to make the leukopath. It allows the researchers to work with really just the product or the cells that they need which is great for two reasons. It uses exactly what they need and it's also not wasting anything. So instead of collecting whole blood from a research blood donor and then having to process out the white cells and potentially wasting everything else, they're just collecting what they need, just collecting those white cells. A leukopack is really important starting material for a lot of different types of medical research. Specifically, it's really important for immunotherapies and cellular therapy development. Researchers might use it as a leukopack itself, right from the donor um, who has collected that same day, or it's further processed in one of our advanced labs at Bloodworks, where our research technologists are able to isolate out even further specific cell types like B cells, for instance, or T cells, so that they can just look at the cells that they're needing to research for that particular disease process. Cancer research is a big one that focuses on cellular therapies. And so you've probably heard over the last you know, 10 years, a lot of talks about different types of um, therapies, such as CAR T-cell therapy. CAR T-cell therapy, which is the next wave of treatment for leukemia, has a much less impactful, much many fewer side effects, and that's a really promising treatments that they're advancing. And, and to get to that end point where you have these cellular therapies, you have to do the research from the very beginning, working on a lab bench before you would ever get anywhere to the point where you would be doing a clinical trial or working with people. So what we try to do with these leukopacks is help support really from the very, very beginning discovery phases all the way through the point where something can get to a clinical trial and really start to help patients. Josh Woodburn manages the Advanced Cell Processing Lab at Bloodworks, a highly specialized center that processes some of these blood products. I'm not allowed in the lab, but I've watched Josh and his team operate the machines through a window in the hallway. One of the products he works on is called Serum. Josh explains. 
serum is the liquid part of blood. And um, when you take the red cells out and you take the white cells out, everything that's left is serum. Serum is used in cell culture, so in research and in clinical trials where cells need to be grown out in a petri dish or in a vessel or in a bag. They have big bioreactors. They need a media to be grown in and serum supplements that media and allows the cells to grow. It has a lot of um, ingredients. It has a lot of different factors in it that, use, that are used for blood clotting or used for cell growth. And that's the reason that we like it is because it's got some factors in it that are really important for cell culture. The science behind the factors is kind of figured out, but they haven't perfected synthesizing those same things in any kind of uh, you know, drugs or in, in a factory. So we have to use real serum coming from a real organism in order to have cells grow in culture. Sometimes they use bovine serum, which comes from cows, but if you're using it for something that's going to be clinical, if it's gonna go into a person or if it's gonna be part of a drug, it has to come from people. And that's where human serum comes from. It's essentially plasma without the clotting proteins. Josh, why is serum important? Well, it's used a lot in cancer clinical trials or in cancer research uh, where the cells are going to be the agents of the drug delivery or if the cells are the therapeutic themselves, especially in things like CAR-T clinical trials and um, other cell therapies. The partnership that Bloodworks is able to have with these companies that are making medicines, these companies that are doing all of this um, institutional research is really important. We want to be part of the community. We want to be part of what's going on with all of these really great organizations. And so we want to be able to help provide some of these really hard to find things like serum and other research donations to these organizations so that they can continue their really meaningful work. Josh has a great term for this community-supported medicine. Community-supported medicine is something that I like to talk about. I like tying that into community-supported agriculture. You know, you pay your money at the beginning of the year, and then they go out and they plant the farm. And then when it comes time to harvest those things, it comes back to you, right? These companies are making life-saving medicine that then comes back into the community because you supported it as the community. And so it's community-supported medicine in that way. I think is really cool. You know, we really are planting the seeds now for the medicine to grow and to get better and to the technology to improve and then come back and help us later. You're not just helping one patient, but potentially, you know, thousands of people as you're helping to develop new treatments and therapies. So who is the perfect research donor if eligibility is off the table? It really all depends on what researchers are looking for what problem they're solving, disease they're investigating, drug or treatment they're working on, or bodily mystery they're unraveling. What I discovered was that my life history and health history both, and this is true of everybody, your ethnicity, your history, your, your health history, gave me a specific uh, set of characteristics that's evident in my blood. And so it just was really interesting and really kind of empowering, I guess, in, in a big way to find out that those specific characteristics can be of paramount importance for researchers looking to advance medical science further than where we are today. Research donations can vary, and sometimes we find people in the population that have really unique genetics or have really unique 
um, blood antibodies, and we like to have those for certain research donations. So if we contact you regarding some um, specific characteristic of your blood, then it would mean that you're really great for that research donation. There are a couple of things that most research donors need to have, however. The ability and willingness to keep on donating. So we do ask that our research blood donors are willing to be recalled. Um, if a researcher is working with their blood sample, they won't know who you are. It's completely anonymous. It's all based on a randomized donor number. There is um, a lot to be gained from using a blood sample from the same person when you're trying to drill down on your discoveries. And so if you have a different person every single time, it's sometimes hard to figure out exactly what you need to know about your process. We do have a couple of projects that are just a one-time donation specific, and we would let you know that when we were scheduling you for it. And so there are a few where if you just want to do it one time and then you want to go back to community blood donations, if you're eligible, you can definitely do that. Evan, can I donate for research and keep up my usual platelet appointments? So if you're interested in both donating for the community blood supply and for research, we ask that you only participate in one or the other at any given time. And that's to make sure that you're not having too much blood loss. We track that all in our database. So when you are participating in research, say over a six month period, we will place a deferral or a hold on your BloodWorks community donation account so that you won't be able to donate for the community during that time. But if and when you're ready and to go back to community donations, you'll let one of our coordinators know. We'll remove that deferral from your account and we'll put a hold on your research count, account and then you can go back to community donations if you were otherwise eligible. What I learned too about donating for research is there is a, a compensation. And so that was sort of a nice thing, I guess, to find out. Um, certainly it's, it's tough times nowadays. And so that's sort of a nice benefit that in addition to the impact it can have on patients in the future and certainly make it a, a great option for people. We have a variety of research blood donation types. So leukopacks are a big one because they're so important in many different types of medical research. But we also use whole blood and those are quite similar to what you'd experience at a doctor's office where you're getting your blood drawn. The volume of blood that we take at any given time is less than half of a normal whole blood donation. So if you were donating a unit of blood, this is less than half of that. And the time commitment is much shorter than a white blood cell collection. It tends to be about 15 minutes. We do those at two locations, our East Lake Research Institute location, as well as our central Seattle location on Madison and Terry. Um, and that's just a great way to still participate and help, but has much shorter time commitment and is used in different types of research. To learn more about donating for research, Go to bloodworksnw.org donate and click on the research section. There are FAQs and a bunch of other information, including how to participate. It might be that a researcher somewhere that's contacted Bloodworks is looking for someone just like you to finish, to complete the last bit of their research. It's a tough thing having cancer, but to know like once the dust is cleared that you, know, you can turn around and help make it better for other people by donating for research, it's a nice, you know, a way to sort of change the ending. This research wouldn't happen without donated blood. Just another way that we are all bound by blood. I'm Helen Pitlick for Bloodworks 101, and we'll see you next time. And hey, do us a favor, will ya? If you know someone who might be interested in giving blood for research, especially if they're not eligible for community donation, pass this episode along to them. 
The future of medicine might depend on it.